0: Chapter nine of Almond Blossom This Librivox recording is in the public domain Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley Chapter nine Let this be said between us here One love grows green when one turns grey This year knows nothing of last year Tomorrow has no more to say to yesterday Swinburne Doro walked downstairs slowly she was early and her shoes of frail brocade scarlet heeled were extremely new and very high from the hall half hidden beneath the shade of a dim torn banner pasquale greville watched her her loveliness swept like a summer wind across his close jaded mind doro stopped on the stairs and adjusted a flounce and greville thought her skin was whiter than her soft white dress she looked all whiteness, untouchedness. He went forward and stood directly under a light. He had done it before and knew the value of a first decorative impression. He obtained it. Real beauty is so rare. It must be recognized at once. It is impossible to ignore it. Doro, a being alive to the end of every shining strand of her hair, acknowledged its presence with delight. G's influence wrecks his outlook. Her own choice of view, all swayed her now in her admiration. She enjoyed looking at Greville, and was aware she did. Then he spoke, and she laughed and coloured and said, Pan. Greville caught her hands in his. Doro? The loosening of their hands took a little while, and Greville did not speak for a moment. Then he said, Grown up, altogether new. Oh, not altogether! doro said rather shyly well he made a quick gesture with his fine tanned hands what is one to say then i remember an alice in wonderland and find aphrodite both begin with an a doro owned demurely that's a resemblance anyway greville laughed mechanically he was swept off his feet utterly by her beauty and youth he had an extraordinary sense of well-being suddenly the old discontent, boredness with life, which had encompassed him about during the last years, seemed suddenly to have been dispelled. He knew the sensation well, but he had not experienced it of late. Dora was studying him, he felt it, and was delighted in his turn. Actually, she was thinking, how strange it was to see a beautiful man, and yet no other word could be used to describe Greville accurately, he had faultless form of head and features odd yet attractive darkly golden hazel eyes and nearly black hair a skin of fine texture faintly tanned and a singularly charming smile he was very tall and had a sportsman's figure flat broad of shoulder which gives an expression of strength and grace to doro's relief he was extremely well turned out tony was rather a grief to her in that respect pembroke also and rex did not count very much greville did and she liked his sapphire waistcoat buttons and links which matched and too there was about him the undeniable glamour of a wrong romance dora was rather in doubt as to why people were divorced but there clung to greville undoubtedly the suggestion of an unhappy love which never fails to invest the man or woman with interest of what nature depends on the person by whom it is felt thoros of course was sheerly sentimental and it must be owned greville was the easiest person possible for whom to feel sentiment in any form women had always adored him and spoiled him he knew to an eyelash the value of his looks he had looked forward to this visit with great distaste only the fact that he had to have money and that only tony would give it to him had forced him to undertake it his marriage which had taken place ten years earlier had been an unqualified failure his poor little italian marchesa had suffered too cruelly in comparison and greville had not cared who had known it he had married her because he had been forced to do so or leave the diplomatic now in the end he had to leave it and because of her and though he had no least affection for it really he resented having to give up anything without his own volition still it was an infinite relief to be rid of bianca whom once he had likened to primavera to semiramis to bice but not to aphrodite he had supplied the godlike looks in that family adieu he greeted tony and pembroke urbanely and continued to stare at doro they dined in the big dining-room tony chose to maintain a certain state and greville thought the formal service the silver plate the dark table with its purple and white orchids set in feathery vivid green a fit setting for doro she sat at one end facing tony and the panelling of the walls was a beautiful background for her whiteness greville found himself thinking of her eyes he had quite forgotten with regard to colour that she had eyes and behold they were the nth marvel really green eyes set below pencil-lined black eyebrows really green he kept telling himself recovering from his amazement with difficulty he recalled whilst apparently listening to some hunting story of pembroke's various verses which were applicable to doro's green eyes hadn't baudelaire spoken of you verdatre sorciere aux yeux at any rate some poet had and some day he would read the poem to doro how old was she seventeen eighteen old enough doro rose better stay and drink with us tony suggested to greville's surprise she stayed but she drank very little, and only twisted a glass of port round before a candle placed near her, watching its rubies reflect on her hand. Going to sing? Tony suggested in the drawing-room. Do you sing? Greville asked. She's training under Cavini. Tony threw out contemptuously. Greville opened wide eyes for an instant. Cavini was a maestro. It was an honor to be taught by him i'll do my best doro said seated at the ebony piano darling to tony what will you have anything anything tony said lethargically please yourself to greville's amazement she began the opening bars of grieg's time and all eternity and when she sang it her eyes half unconsciously resting on greville's face his looked into hers with every consciousness for years since his youth he had not felt as he now felt he realized he was actually trembling a mist seemed to rise before him and through it doro sang on superbly gorgeously without any effort with the heavenly clearness and lack of emotion a boy's perfect voice holds my god greville said to himself when she feels and sings as she feels the song was finished he heard pembroke make some remark doro answered it then she began to sing again a little song in french an absurd little song all about a belle marquise called fifinella she finished the song laughed and rose there very nice my dear tony said that's cavini pan and a very lovely voice greville answered coolly he turned abruptly to doro do you like singing i adore it and writing too still she laughed you have a wonderful memory pan not in some cases he answered his golden eyes darkening as he looked at her in some cases one cannot forget a sudden delicate confusion robbed doro of the power to reply she had a strange sense of being cut off in some way from tony and pembroke of talking in another atmosphere a keener more vivid one with greville he disturbed her thoughts oddly and made her feel paradoxically at once older in some ways and much younger in others he lit a cigarette now and with the match cupped in his hand a little flame of hard light illuminating his face and making his eyes shine brilliantly "'asked in a low voice. "'Why did you flush, Aphrodite?' "'Did I?' Doro asked. "'Yes, most adorably. "'There must have been a reason.' "'Doro lifted grave eyes to his. "'I think I felt shy,' she said. "'You see, it is such a long while since you were here.' "'And now I seem different, and you also?' "'Greville supplemented quickly.' "'And the difference is rather bewildering, is that it?' "'I suppose so,' Doro murmured. "'Tony called to her. She went across to him. "'What are you and Pan muttering about?' he asked. "'Differences in life,' Greville said blandly. "'You should be able to argue on that,' Tony conceded with bluff sarcasm. "'He jerked his head at Doro. "'Time you were in bed, my dear.' Greville opened the door for her, and followed her to the foot of the wide, shallow stairs. He took her hand. "'Sleep well, Aphrodite. Grow used to the difference. I want you—' His cool grasp tightened suddenly. "'I want you to grow very used to me.' He waited until she reached the landing, and Doro had a last impression of him, dark head back-flung, his eyes smiling her good-night she paused at rex's door then knocked and went in had a thin time rex asked sympathetically i heard you singing and loved it what's pan like now same as ever i expect doro did not answer for a moment and rex repeated the question a little differently was pan pretty sickening i suppose so languidly clever and unostentatiously indifferent to us eh he was quite all right i think doro said constrainedly tired yes a little it's been rather a stiff day rex sighed and drew a book from his table better cut along to bed good night good night in her own room with amelia undressing her all her own little comfort of atmosphere about her again she felt less weary the sense of tautness seemed to have left her it had been this evening downstairs rather like a lesson of some sort an ordeal in some way when emilia had gone she slipped into a thick white silk dressing-gown banked herself with big cushions and went to sit in the window-seat before the open lattice window the night was so mild it suggested spring there was in the air that hesitant little breeze the fragrance of wet moss a wood-fire now only aglow cut by an occasional spear of blue flame Lit the room faintly. Doro gazed out into the night. A restlessness possessed her, and she discovered again and again that her thoughts were of Pan. Men's looks had never seemed to matter before. Men, anyway, had not. Men had always been Rex's friends. Richard Colfax, the Carew Boys, the Dorringtons. Perhaps it was because Pan was older that he seemed to count more. He had lived so much and the others—the others had always been just where they were—what they were. She would discuss Pan with G. No, she would not. Quite distinctly, she realized she would not do that. Her motive was obscure, but it was definite. It had not been easy to say anything about him to Rex, even. Why? She drew her delicate brows together. Her whole mind felt tense with perplexity— which yet had an element of happiness in it it was so strange that the meeting itself and the fact of its occurrence impressed her so and made her feel she could not sleep the vision of pan standing beneath the light came to her again and then again the thought returned so inevitably attractive to youth of the mystery in his life what had really happened about his marriage how unhappy had he been she felt sure he had not been the first to whom blame could be attached anyway a guard of defence for him leapt to instant being in her thoughts had he been very unhappy had he loved bianca very deeply for years pan had been merely a name he had been in berlin in bucharest in paris often he had married an italian girl he had left her he was returning to england that had been all and doro had listened very vaguely now he had come into her life, an entirely new being, and thereby had accrued to him the weight of much novelty, the benefit of forming her impressions. Doro went to her dressing-table for a handkerchief. Her own reflection caught her gaze in the oval mirror. She studied herself with a new absorbed interest. Was she beautiful? Really? Honestly? Her mind still practiced the childish formula. Honestly? She gave a little shy smile at her own reflection, and her eyes smiled back at her. Rex had said they were like jasmine flowers and leaves. She leant forward, and the light from the electric candles lit a little star in the deep greenness. Were her green eyes so wonderful? She hoped so, with a deep sigh. Just now, they had shadows of weariness under them, leaf shadows on the magnolia petal of her skin she threw up both slender white arms and sighed again it was a good world a world full of sport and general splendidness but somehow she switched off the lights and slipped into bed anyway to-morrow was near and that was for some secret reason her heart would not quite acknowledge rather wonderful a last memory of pan came to her and she wondered if he were asleep and wondering slept herself at that instant greville was lighting a last cigarette as he stood before the fire in his room it was his own old room and as a matter of course was always prepared for him when he visited hurst point to-night he thought of the last time he had slept there years before it was not a very pleasing reflection so much had happened since then so much which had been uncomfortable and disturbing and the before time of memory should be of the sundial type, which only counts the happy hours. Greville stirred the fire with a slippered foot, frowning a little, and the flames leapt up gaily. Reflection concerning the last decade of his life made him think with ironical amusement of a certain popular song, with its suggestion of a varied affection for fair ladies as different. For Coa had sung it, or someone else it really did not matter but its subject was familiar forty he met the thought with a quick squaring of the shoulders and a little covert smile forty and free to enter the lists again by god he would be careful this time this separation had cost him the remainder of his income it was an unpleasing thought but he was not unduly distressed by it rexford was an extremely wealthy man and he would give him a reasonable allowance greville felt convinced if only because of his abhorrence for any family scandal rexford could leave his money as he liked pretty well too already greville had sensed to whom tony gave affection it was not amazing god what absolute sheer beauty doro had a winner beyond question extraordinary combination of colouring that burnished sort of hair and that white skin and such eyes and with it all utterly young utterly impressionable he smiled a little now as he remembered doro's shy flush her delightful confusion when he had asked its reason what a heavenly task to rouse selene to watch the adorable growth of consciousness to note the birth of response to an emotional influence, it would be like studying a bud opening its petals slowly, slowly, utterly delightful in its unconscious surrender. The thought burned like a swift fire in his brain for a moment. After all, why not? But he would have to go slowly. Doro's upbringing had held no hothouse element, apparently. Anything but, he was forced to conclude upon reflection but if not there was her voice to explain that voice which held within its note the promise of a passionate heart a voice like that allied to such youngness and loveliness what a land of amazing promise and mystery for an explorer what heavenly labour to wake sleeping emotion to give colour to that voice he caught his breath sharply it had been so long owing to the tedious exigencies of the hour since he had experienced a love affair and to find one here at hurst point of all places he drew on his cigarette until it flamed deeply if it might not be an affair of moment doro's presence would make his stay a very different event from that he had been prepared to endure at any rate even if nothing matured it would be pleasant to while away the days with doro instead of being left to the tender mercies of tony God, what a boor! And bore! He looked at his watch. He, too, meant to hunt the following day. His glance caught the sharp color of his pink coat, which his man had laid out for him. Time to turn in if he meant to turn out in decent time. As it was, he overslept, and ran downstairs, gulped some scalding tea, and was barely able to catch Doro up at the house-field. He hallowed to her gaily. The sun was just breaking through. He felt admirably fit, and he was quite aware he looked it, and certainly Doro looked a great deal more than merely fit. She was riding near Tony, who greeted Pan with a jerk of his head. Pan edged close to Doro. A fine little smile had curved his lips for an instant after he had met her glance. It was such a shy little glance, shy and admiring and happy." he felt suddenly extraordinarily gay at one with the keenness of the day the joy of sport all the elan of the hour a soft big wind blew the sodden leaves about the sky hung low its pale blueness shielded by banks of dove-coloured clouds every single detail of the landscape seemed to stand out as if it had been etched the lovely bareness of the trees as they reared themselves back from the caresses of the blustering wind was cut against the delicate sky in straight graceful lines a witchery of myriad-patterned lace-woven branches oh it's good it's divine to be alive and riding and so happy doro's heart sang to her all her youth tingled with the sheer joy of living this soft clean day last night seemed far away and yet still wonderful tony riding behind her urging forward caught a glimpse of her rapt face its colour whipped to keenest shell pink and unconsciously his hard mouth softened all his obstinate pride centred in doro it was a secret pride and because of that more strong rex had never managed to matter much the lad was always ailing and when he was fit he was so damned silent kept himself to himself and the old grudge had never died, never would die. But Doro... Occasionally, Tony thought plans for her, very rarely. He was content to accept the good moment, and Doro was so young. He said huskily to Pembroke, who was passing him, All right, eh? His bloodshot eyes on Doro. Pembroke shared his admiration, whilst reserving an appreciation of Rex. He nodded now and said bluffly, a winner tony a winner hands down pan cut out of the field and bore down both men watched him tony's face lowered he rode straight to doro and they raced ahead together pembroke removing his shrewd eyes from tony wheeled away swiftly end of chapter 9 recording by mariselle